Hello, this is Gary McIntyre with an episode of Digital DBC. I'm here with Pastor Alan Jackson, and today we're going to be talking about why we do what we do as a church, and our episode today is going to be on baptism. Alan, it's good to have you with us today. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, Tell me, what is baptism? So baptism is a a setting apart of a new believer uh, for the church. Um, Some people, uh, some traditions practice baptism as infants, and some traditions practice baptism called believer's baptism by one who is old enough to understand that they've made a commitment to follow Christ. So why does DBC baptize the way we baptize? We do full immersion. What's up? What's up with that? We do. Some traditions baptize by sprinkling. Um, some traditions baptize babies by sprinkling. They call it christening. Uh, we baptize believers, usually uh, older children or adults, and we baptize by immersion because we kind of believe that's the way Jesus was baptized. The, the language in the New Testament seems to point to that. Well, that's what the Greek word means, right? To immerse or to, it has to that dip picture? into. Mm-hmm. Right. So, All right. so uh, then my question is, because a lot of traditions have kind of rules in place. Who can right. baptize? Uh, in our church, mm-hmm. what's our tradition there? Our tradition is that a a disciple maker can baptize. We have allowed fathers to baptize their sons and daughters. We've allowed uh, friends who have been instrumental in cultivating a relationship with Christ and and helping someone uh, to grow in faith. We've permitted them to baptize. Uh, Obviously, our pastors uh, baptize, but uh, our, our position is that it's a disciple maker. It's somebody who is significant in the spiritual growth of that person's life. Is there a preference where someone gets baptized? For instance, the reason I ask this is I remember several months ago, I was reading a forum and some people were going back and forth on whether or not, say, a youth pastor takes a group to youth camp and there's a swimming pool, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Um, since I've been the senior pastor here, our students have been baptized in the ocean. Uh, they've been baptized in the swimming pool at beach camp. Our children have been baptized at a uh, swimming pool at their children's camp. Our, um, I've baptized people in a swimming pool in uh, the baptism here at church. We have a portable baptism here at church, and I've baptized a number of people in the Chattahoochee River. Off the top of your head, do you have any like memorable baptisms that just stand out? Like make my very too cold my very or... first one, my very first one. The uh, I was a youth pastor. Um, I was probably twenty five, and uh, the pastor got sick on a Sunday afternoon, and we were scheduled to baptize a young man on Sunday night. And I did not. I had never been to the baptistry in that church because the pastor did all the baptisms, and I didn't know that it was black. And that uh, when the water was in the baptistry, you couldn't see the bottom of it. And so when I came through the door at the top of the little stairway down to the baptism, the little boy behind me grabbed my arm because he couldn't see the bottom of it. I couldn't see the bottom of it. As far as we knew, it was a bottomless pit. And uh, I told him I thought it was going to be all right. And uh, he's a young adult father who's raising his kids in a godly way now. So I guess it took. Yeah, I will never forget one of the first times I baptized. Did you wear waders? Uh, not usually. Yeah, I, I, we had waders, and they were too big for me to begin with, so they almost came up to my neck. But the 
feet were probably, and I'm holding my hands out like people can see what I'm doing. The feet were probably about four inches of air past my toes. And so when I'm trying to put these things on, the first time I stepped foot in the water, it was like walking on the moon, big giant steps, because there's so much air in there. I'm right. trying to force my feet to the bottom, and it was kind of, I'm always holding on to the person I'm baptizing, just trying to keep from floating up and falling on my back. The only time I wear waders is if we need to hide the microphone inside them, because I would prefer that a microphone not get wet while it's strapped to my head. That's a good plan. Uh, electricity and all that. <laughs> there with, you go. Uh, there, with water. So uh, you had mentioned uh, infant baptism uh, what are your thoughts on that as far as infant baptism and tie that to believer's baptism? At Dunwoody Baptist Church, we dedicate babies, meaning that a family who has an infant, a child, uh, uh, brings their child, and we have a special time in the worship service where we as a church agree that we want to come alongside of those parents and help them raise uh, nurture, disciple those children to the best we can, supporting them as they mature as disciples. If baptism is viewed that way, I I think it's a very um, holy, holy moment. If baptism is seen as something that actually has a, uh, a spiritual transaction other than representative, I um, maybe my theology doesn't line up as much with that. Um, we in our church believe that baptism is sort of like when an athlete puts on a jersey. They are identified with one team and not the other team. Uh, when they uh, take the field, you can clearly tell that they are on that team. And as far as I can tell in the New Testament, when someone was baptized, it was a spiritual transaction that represented an inner decision that the person had made. They had made a decision to trust Christ as their personal Savior, and the baptism was an act of obedience, an act of identification, sort of like putting on the jersey. When they went through the waters of baptism, when they were immersed all the way under, and our our cadence here at Dunwoody Baptist Church is that when they go underwater, we say they are um buried with Christ in baptism, symbolic, the symbolic of his uh, burial in the tomb, and then symbolic of his resurrection, they are raised to walk in newness of life. So our, our identification is with the resurrection of Christ, but we think it is an identification. So we would prefer that there be someone who knows what they have done, how they have committed their lives to Christ, and therefore has a uh, a little bit more of an adult um, uh, rationale behind the process of baptism. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the kind of the formula, which I remember when I was youth pastor of the church down the street, the pastor would always use almost those same words, buried with him in death, raised with him to walk in the newness of life. Right. And it, it's funny because I remember the moment, I knew that before I knew the passage in Romans that it came from. And it's like, I remember the first time when I was reading the book of Romans and all of a sudden I saw those words in the context of that. And it just gave it so much more uh, meaning for me. And it's a formula that I've also tried to stick to when I've baptized. It's a very meaningful time. And, and one thing I would add quickly, Gary, is that in no way do we believe that baptism by immersion invalidates a baptism by sprinkling that was done in infancy. 
we, we believe that those are two very separate things. And, and sometimes people get a little uptight when we talk about how to join our church, how to become a member of our church. And we ask that people be baptized by immersion or that they uh, recount a time they had been baptized by immersion in a previous church. Well, you just steered right into my next question because I was going to ask, how does baptism tie into church membership? We are a Baptist church, and essentially we can do this in another uh, episode, but a Baptist church believes in the authority of Scripture. We believe in the uh, priesthood of believers, meaning that uh, we don't have a, a confessional booth. We believe we confess directly to God. We believe that every local church is autonomous. We believe in the centrality of preaching. We believe in evangelism and missions. And so one of the things that we embrace is that we uh, we join that fellowship through baptism by immersion, and that would be sort of a lowest common denominator of, of a way that you would join this Baptist church or pretty much any Baptist church. So when someone comes forward and say they are interested in becoming a part of the church body, are they required to participate in like membership classes before they're eligible to be baptized or does the baptism, can it come first? It can come first. Um, we, we ask that they uh, experience the, our membership pathways class just so that they'll understand our culture and, and what it is that they are, are becoming a part of. Um, but we have baptist, uh, we have baptisms, uh, occasionally that are not associated with our church membership because we don't we don't believe that part is biblical. We want them to know what they're doing. We believe it's biblical that they are baptized by immersion to become a part of the fellowship, but we don't necessarily tie um, uh, the requirement of church membership with the baptism. All right. I want to talk about a story that recently happened in the news. You're probably aware of the priest in Arizona that resigned from his station because of a misapplication of a, a formula where he might say, where what he actually said was, we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, when the formula required him to say, I baptize you. And uh, as a result of that, the, the thing was that about 20 years worth of baptism seemed to have been invalidated because he misapplied that. Uh, I'm curious as to your thoughts about that. Uh, without getting into church traditions, um, I don't know what an invalid baptism is. I know that if someone uh, has a heartfelt sense of remorse over their sins, they have invited Christ into their life, and the tradition that you describe, if I am not mistaken, is infant baptism. And so the the baptized person, the child, would have no understanding, no comprehension of what had happened. And so it becomes, to me, a matter of semantics. And if if God is the um, the if God isn't the center of the symbol, the semantics of the the cadence don't seem to be as important as the heart of the person who's being baptized as an act of obedience. So I don't know that I would understand what an invalid baptism means. It's a good point to say, Gary, that in some traditions, baptism is considered salvific. Yes, I was about to bring that up. 
Well, that's a fancy word that means that those traditions believe that if you are not baptized, you cannot go to heaven. We in Baptist circles don't believe that. We believe that baptism is an act of obedience that follows a heart decision to trust Christ as Savior, but the heart decision is that which is salvific. That's that's what saves, not the act of baptism itself. Baptism is an identity issue. It's an obedience issue. It's a it's a, a choreography of embracing the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Very important, very uh, meaningful, uh, very indicative of a heart condition. But the act of baptism itself, we as Baptists do not believe that that saves. Right. It almost reminds me of the passage in Galatians where this group of, I think it's pronounced Judaizers, uh, was trying to, you know, force legal customs into salvation. And, it, and that almost seems like what's my, what might be going on here. And Paul was quick to warn, don't do that. Matter of fact, he was stunned that they were so quickly beginning to follow that. that he told the Ephesian, he Ephesians that salvation was by grace through faith right and that alone not of works right. not of any other act not of any um, any um, action taken on the part of a, of a human and you know we humans are quick to try to add things because we we kind of want to believe that we've earned it when in reality the relationship that we have with God is only because he has allowed it through the grace that he offers in Christ. All right. Well, unless you have something else to add, we uh, I think we can wrap up this episode. Uh, this is one of the things that we're trying to do is help, you know, put out there why DBC does what they do. And uh, baptism just seemed to be a timely, it seemed to be a timely opportunity to talk about this with the stuff that's going on in the news. Well, as always, we, we love follow-up. We love uh, conversation that follows this. And I am uh, uh, very sure that, uh, that if uh, our listeners will email us at uh, onlinepastor at dbc.org, right. then uh, we will be quick to follow up and uh, hopefully engage in some meaningful conversation. Or even digital dbc at dbc.org. We've just recently launched that. That's the name of this podcast. And uh, so we are eager to receive questions and uh, see how this thing develops. Uh, Pastor Alan Jackson, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to our next conversation.